Well, good morning. Now, Brandon's described to us a couple different genres of Bible teaching, topical and expository. I'm going to do a third type, which is a character study. And I'd like to talk to you about Joseph in the New Testament. No, not Mary's Joseph, but Joseph of Cyprus. How many of you know who Joseph of Cyprus is and what he did? Okay, well, you're going to learn a little bit. <clears throat> Joseph of Cyprus is first mentioned in Acts chapter 4. And he had a nickname, Son of Encouragement. And as we look at his life, we begin to see how well that nickname fit him. So let's turn to Acts chapter 4, and starting with verse 32. Acts chapter 4, 32. <clears throat> All the believers were one in heart and mind. No one claimed that any of his possessions was his own, but they shared everything they had. With great power, the apostles continued to testify to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus, and much grace was upon them all. There were no needy persons among them, for from time to time those who owned lands or houses sold them, brought the money from the sales, and put it at the apostles' feet and it was distributed to anyone as he had need. <clears throat> Joseph, a Levite from Cyprus, whom the apostles called Barnabas, which means son of encouragement, sold a field he owned and brought the money to put it at the apostles' feet. Now, Joseph was a Levite. Now, while in the Old Testament, Levites were, played a prominent role, in the New Testament, they're not really mentioned that much. A lot of them became scribes and teachers, and they're referred to as that. Now, Joseph was a Levite. His home was <coughs> Cyprus, which is an island in the eastern Mediterranean Sea. <clears throat> and Luke tells us that Joseph, like a number of others in the early church, um, sold property he owned to provide for those believers who are in need. So we can see that Joseph was generous, compassionate, and took to heart Jesus' teaching to care for those who uh, are in need. And we begin to see that, you know, Joseph really lived up to his nickname, <coughs> Son of Encouragement. Now, by selling the property and giving it to the apostles, he encouraged the apostles, he also encouraged the church. And notice that he didn't go showing off his money by passing out the money himself. He humbly gave it to the apostles to distribute as they saw fit. And he wasn't looking for any attention. He just was trying to be obedient and help those that he could help. Now, from this point on, Joseph is no longer ever referred to as Joseph, but only by his nickname, Barnabas, son of encouragement. Now, a few <clears throat> chapters later, we hear about Barnabas again. In chapter 9 of Acts, we're told about Saul, who is breathing out murderous threats against the Lord's disciples and Saul's miraculous conversion on the road to Damascus. Now, the believers at Damascus believed Saul's conversion, and <clears throat> they listened to him. But when Saul decided to go back, uh, go to Jerusalem, it was a very different story. 
The believers there knew who he was and what he'd done. So let's read Acts chapter 9, verses 26 and 28. Acts 9, 26 and 28. When he, that's Saul, came to Jerusalem, he tried to join the disciples, but they were all afraid of him, not believing that he really was a disciple. But Barnabas took him and brought him to the apostles. He told them how Saul on his journey had seen the Lord and that the Lord had spoken to him and how in Damascus he had preached fearlessly in the name of Jesus. So Saul stayed with them and moved about freely in Jerusalem, speaking boldly in the name of the Lord. When Saul arrived in Jerusalem, <clears throat> none of the believers believed he had changed. They knew what he had done. They <clears throat> figured this was just a ruse to fool them into exposing themselves so that they could be arrested and persecuted. But along comes Barnabas. Barnabas was willing to risk his reputation, willing to risk his life by reaching out to Saul. He listened to him, got to know him, heard his story about how the Lord had appeared to him and spoke to him. So Barnabas took Saul under his wing and brought him to the apostles. Now, how many of us have had to live down a history where we've done bad choices, bad actions, where those around us really <clears throat> won't forget what we did uh, who we are. We find those who won't trust us, who refuse to believe we can change. Our pastor up in New York um, was saved out of a life of drugs and some less than good behavior. And even after a, a decade of being in the ministry, there were still people who didn't really believe that he had changed. And my brother's in prison a lot of times, <clears throat> they're oftentimes accused of having jailhouse religion. You know, a superficial change to get better treatment, but no real character change. And when they go out, <clears throat> excuse me, when they get out of prison and go out, <clears throat> oftentimes they find that society won't believe that they are new creation in Christ that they are just ex-cons and they're no different from when they went in prison. And it's very hard for them because, you know, that past history of them. <clears throat> now we see here, though, Barnabas went out of his way to bring Saul into the body of believers. So if we turn to chapter 11, we're going to find that the believers who were driven out of Jerusalem by the persecution in connection with Stephen's uh, uh, death, we find them here reaching out to others with the gospel, even to the Gentiles. And if we were to look back at chapter 7 and 8, we'd find that Stephen, the first martyr, was stoned to death with the approval of Saul. And at that time, a great persecution broke out against the church in Jerusalem, no doubt headed and led by Saul. And the believers 
all except for the apostles, were scattered. Now, we look in uh, chapter 11, verses 19 to 21. Acts 11, 19 to 21. Now, those who had been scattered by the persecution in connection with Stephen traveled as far as Phoenicia, Cyprus, and Antioch, telling the message only to Jews. Some of them, however, men from Cyprus and Cyrene, went to Antioch and began to speak to Greeks also, telling them the good news about the Lord Jesus. The Lord's hand was with them, and a great number of people believed and turned to the Lord. <clears throat> so we see here that <clears throat> Jews, including men from Cyprus. Now, don't we know someone from Cyprus? Yes, Joseph from Cyprus, <coughs> a.k.a. <clears throat> Barnabas. These Jews were telling the Greeks, the Gentiles, about Jesus. And the Gentiles were becoming Christians. Verse 22 through 24, news of this reached the ears of the church at Jerusalem, and they sent Barnabas to Antioch. When he arrived and saw the evidence of the grace of God, he was glad and encouraged them all the more <clears throat> to remain true to the Lord with all their hearts. He was a good man full of the Holy Spirit and faith, and a great number of people were brought to the Lord. The apostles heard what was going on. They sent up <coughs> Barnabas to investigate what was happening. And what did Barnabas do when he saw the evidence of God's grace? <coughs> you know, he encouraged them. Now, revival was breaking out there in Antioch. So Barnabas made sure that everyone knew that he was the official emissary from the apostles in Jerusalem and that they needed to talk and listen to him and pay attention to him, right? Well, let's see what verses 25 and 26 says. Then Barnabas went to Tarsus to look for Saul. And when he had found him, he brought him back to Antioch. So for a whole year, Barnabas and Saul met with the church and taught great numbers of the people. And the disciples were first called Christians at Antioch. <coughs> instead of basking in the limelight, instead of having all the attention on him, Barnabas said, hey, this would be a great opportunity to, for these new believers and seekers to meet my good friend Saul. So he goes up to Tarsus, finds Saul, says, hey, I need you to come help me teach. So Barnabas <clears throat> and Saul come back, and <clears throat> Barnabas encourages Saul in his teaching there at Antioch. Now, Saul had preached in Damascus, but after going to Jerusalem, he just went back up to Tarsus, and there was not, not much mentioned during that time. But now, Barnabas brings Saul to Antioch, and together they teach for a year there. But wait, there's more. Let's turn to verse 27. During this time, some prophets came down from Jerusalem to Antioch. One of them, named Agabus, stood up and through the Spirit predicted that a severe famine would spread over the entire Roman world. 
This happened during the reign of Claudius. The disciples, each according to his ability, decided to provide help for the brothers living in Judea. This they did, sending their gift to the elders by Barnabas and Saul. <clears throat> so, Barnabas and Saul are entrusted with his money from uh, the believers there in Antioch for the suffering believers there in Jerusalem. Now, <clears throat> chapter 12, verse 25. When Barnabas and Saul had finished their mission, they returned from Jerusalem, taking with them John, also called Mark. So Barnabas and Saul, they did their job. They took the money uh, to help the believers there, obviously encouraging them. Um, <clears throat> and, you know, they did that. Then they, having completed their mission, they returned to Antioch, and they recruited a young follower named John Mark. Now, chapter 13, first five verses. In the church at Antioch, there were prophets and teachers. Barnabas, Simeon called Niger, Lucius of Cyrene, Manaen, who had been brought up with Herod the Tetrarch, and Saul. While they were there worshiping the Lord and fasting, the Holy Spirit said, Set apart for me Barnabas and Saul for the work to which I have called them. So after they had fasted and prayed, they placed their hands on them and sent them off. The two of them, sent on their way by the Holy Spirit, went down to Seleucia and sailed from there to Cyprus. When they arrived at Salamis, they proclaimed the word of God in the Jewish synagogues. John was with them as their helper. <clears throat> so Barnabas and Saul, with uh, John Mark, sent out as the first missionaries going out to proclaim Christ, not only to the Jews, but also to the Gentiles. Now, let's go down to verse 13. From Paphos, Paul and his companions sailed to Perga in Pamphylia, where John left them to return to Jerusalem. Notice a change here. What Luke had consistently referred to as Barnabas and Saul now becomes Paul and his companions. Not only is Barnabas not listed as the first thing, his name's not even mentioned at all. It's just Paul and companions. But Barnabas is content to step back and let Paul, Saul become the great apostle Paul. Very much like John the Baptist in John 3.30, who is speaking of Jesus and saying, he must increase and I must decrease. In the same way, Barnabas was willing to step back, take a subservient role as Paul's companion as they continue their mission trip throughout Asia Minor, and working together and then eventually returning to Antioch. Now, Despite the success at Antioch and in Asia Minor of the Gentiles coming to Christ, there were still a, a <clears throat> number of holdouts that were opposed to Gentiles becoming Christians without adhering to all the Jewish practices. 
Those believers who had come out of the Pharisee uh, <clears throat> group demanded that Gentiles had to keep all the Jewish law, be circumcised and everything before they could become Christians. And so Paul and <clears throat> uh, Barnabas in chapter uh, 15 are arguing against this. And they're sent down to Jerusalem to see what the apostles say. <clears throat> now, it's interesting, in Acts chapter 15, verse 12, it reads, the whole assembly <clears throat> became silent as they listened to Barnabas and Saul. And this order is again repeated in verse 25 in the letter uh, from the church you know, concerning the conversion of the, the Gentiles. You know, the apostles and the council still saw Barnabas as the head guy, uh, <clears throat> the senior uh, partner. But by verse 35, Luke resumes the Paul and Barnabas order. So Paul and Barnabas returned to Antioch, where they taught and preached the word of the Lord. Now, Barnabas didn't just encourage Paul. He also mentored and encouraged others. In chapter 15, verses 36 through 40, Sometime later, Paul said to Barnabas, let us go back and visit the brothers in all the towns where we preach the word of the Lord and see how they are doing. Barnabas wanted to take John, also called Mark, with them. But Paul did not think it wise to take him because he had deserted them in Pamphylia and had not continued with them in the work. They had such a sharp disagreement that they parted company. Barnabas took Mark and sailed for Cyprus, but Paul chose Silas and left, commended by the brothers to the grace of the Lord. Barnabas' idea was to go back and encourage the churches that they had established. And, you know, Paul and Barnabas decided to go revisit all those churches. But Barnabas said, hey, let's take John Mark. But Paul was adamantly opposed to this. He said, no way. He you know, failed us the first time. No second chances. Forget that. But Barnabas wouldn't give up. He wouldn't acquiesce, and he kept insisting that they should take John Mark. And finally, he and uh, <clears throat> Paul broke up. Paul took Silas and left for Asia Minor, while Barnabas took John Mark and sailed to Cyprus. Now, after this, the only references to Barnabas are, uh, <clears throat> you know, Paul in 1 Corinthians 9, 6, mentions Barnabas as an example of working to support his ministry. Uh, he was what we refer to as a tent maker. Um, and again, in Galatians 2, 9, where he mentioned Barnabas' actions in Antioch during the dispute about the Gentiles. Barnabas. Son of encouragement, Barnabas, the encourager. Barnabas looked at people and saw their potential. He didn't focus on what they had done or where they were at. He discerned what God could do in and through them. Barnabas was a proponent of the second chance and the third and fourth chance. He didn't give up on people. He didn't give up on those who failed. 
He didn't write them off. He invested his time, his talents, his knowledge, his heart into those he met. Barnabas listened to them. He believed in them. He mentored them. And I'm certain that Paul and John Mark were not the only recipients of Barnabas's encouragement. I mean, after all, the apostles were calling him, you know, Barnabas, son of encouragement, way there, uh, way back before, you know, Saul was even mentioned. Now, anyone know who John Mark was and what he did? Okay. John Mark went on to assist Peter, and he wrote the Gospel of Mark. Later on, even Paul changed his mind about Mark and said, hey, you know, I have need of him. So what might have happened if Mark, disillusioned by Paul's rejection, had dropped out of the church and stopped trying to serve God? Think of how that would have affected our New Testament than the church. Now consider what might have been Paul, or excuse me, Saul's response when he was shunned at Jerusalem by the church who didn't believe that he had really changed and converted. Or what <clears throat> you know, our New Testament would look like if Saul had just left, stayed quietly there in Tarsus, you know, just minding his own business. You know, think of, you know, Paul's writing. You know, 13 of the 27 books of the New Testament were written by Paul. So think of how that has affected the church and the body of Christ over the past 2,000 years. All this was made possible by a humble man named <coughs> Barnabas who allowed God to use him to encourage others. Barnabas focused on the positives. He didn't focus on the negatives. He didn't talk about the problems, the difficulties, the barriers. He focused on what God can do, and he encouraged others to do the same. So, how about you? Who can you encourage? Who can you look at to see their potential? Whom do you know who's being ignored because of their past or where they are at or the past failures? How can you be the son of encouragement to them? How can you make a difference in their lives? How can you mentor them, encourage them, and help them <clears throat> and even be willing to take a back seat when they go beyond you and start to outshine you and you become just a small footnote in their history. There's an adage that says, no one knows what can be accomplished if people don't care who gets the credit. And see, that's the attitude that Barnabas had. He didn't care whether he got you know, the attention at all. He just wanted to see God's work be accomplished through the people he met. So I challenge you today, here and now, to go out 
and be the son of encouragement, the daughter of encouragement to those around you, even the ones you know no one believes in. Be the Barnabas to them today. Thank you. Let's pray. Father God, we thank you for your word. We thank you for the example that Barnabas set for us. Lord God, we ask you to help us to be a Barnabas to those around us. Open our eyes to those who um, you want to work in, those that need to be encouraged, Lord, to follow you, to step up and to do things that they might not do otherwise. Lord, just give us a, a push in the right direction to the right people, Lord. And Lord, we thank you that it doesn't matter um, if we are successful or not, Lord, but that you can use us to make others successful, Lord. For he asks us in Christ's name, amen.